Hello everyone, welcome to my Black is Transnational. My name is Dr. Kalechi Bay Lamberts. And coming up on today's episode, I'll be joined by Mr. Abdullahi Sise, who is the creator and founder of a community organization named Bridging African Black Americans, also known as BABA. On this episode, we'll have a conversation about what inspired his creation of BABA, his upbringing as an African immigrant, or at least living as a young African immigrant in New York City, and how his experiences seeing racism and stereotypes and discrimination against black people, um, not just by white people, but also between black, black people in their own communities, inspired his will to attempt to bridge these gaps between African Americans and African immigrants. So we talk about his background and how he ended up creating this wonderful organization. We'll also talk specifically about what you can do to be able to help continue this movement to bridge the gaps between African Americans and African immigrants. But before we get into that, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, you can find this podcast and download this podcast on any of your favorite podcast listening apps, whether it's Google, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to great podcasts, please find this podcast, subscribe to it, download it, and please share it with your friends. Um, if you like the episodes that you have listened to in the past or this episode, please uh, feel free to leave a review. Uh, we always appreciate your feedback and your ratings and reviews. Please rate it five star. Again, share it, share it, share it with your friends and families and those you think may be interested in this podcast. So finally, check out our website, www.blacktransnational.wixsite.com slash podcast to learn more information about the entire season, about the guests. If you want to just learn about past guests and be able to connect with them, check out our website. We really appreciate your support. So I'm going to spare the long-windedness and we're going to get right into this episode. Let's go. Welcome to my dad's podcast, My Black is Changed National, Season 3. You can find us on anywhere you like to listen to good podcasts. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Hope you enjoy the show. Bye. Hello everyone, welcome to My Black is Transnational and our guest for today is someone that is doing something in which I'm very, very interested in and which was very intriguing to me. Um, I found this uh, gentleman's organization on Instagram. It was actually brought to my attention by a former guest um, who is still very much involved in transnational activities and building the bridges um, between African and African Americans. And we saw this organization called BABA, um, Bridging, Bridging Africans and Black Americans. And I had to have this gentleman on the show and you know, we got to talking and we just kind of hit it off. And, I, and I'm really glad that I got the opportunity to be able to bring our conversation to your ears. So um, I have here today, um, Mr. Abdullahi Sise, who will be talking um, and sharing his experiences and his his transnational um, uh, thoughts uh, and, and when it comes to his passion for building the bridges between Africans and Black Americans. And, you know, so I just want to welcome you, uh, brother, to, to the show and just thank you for your time. Yes, Doc. Uh, good morning, good evening, wherever your listeners are. Right. Uh, you know, I'm 
I'm happy to be here today. I feel honored. You know, uh, you and I had a great conversation probably about, you know, 10 to 14 days ago. Yeah. And, you know, we, we connected on so much. We connected on so much. We have so much similarities. Um, I'm, I'm ready for a great conversation. And, you know, really, I, I have a good feeling about this conversation because you actually got the acronym for BABA correct. He said, bridging Africans and black Americans. Uh, for some reason, I've noticed since since the inception and since the launch, people just have a hard time saying out the full acronym. Uh, you know, mostly, right, what I've been getting is bridging Africans and Africans Americans, which oh. obviously, like, that's, that's the essence of it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, shout-outs to you, you know, credits to you for starting off, starting us off on a good foot. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, my man. Yeah, I mean, you, you put the name together and you put a lot of thought and creativity to make it. And you got to make sure we res- put the, put some respect on it, man. So, uh, right. yeah. Uh, but but before we get into the conversation, I definitely want you to take an opportunity to talk to the listeners and let them know who you are, where you're from, you know, what you represent. You know, so we can we can really set that foundation to a great conversation, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um... You know, Abdullah Sise, I'm originally from Guinea, Conakry, West Africa. Mm. Uh, we're the unpopular country in, in, in that hub, um, you know, amongst uh, the Nigerias, the Ghanas, the Mali, mm. you know, the Togos, you know, just that, that area of, of some amazing people, the Senegals. Uh, that's, that's where I'm from. Uh, I came here at a young age, uh, at the age of seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it's it's so interesting. Like that that age, it, it sounds sounds like a significant age for 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 youth to be able to remember a lot of things. But you know, I you know, an argument could be made that okay, like you should be able to remember some things from back home. But like for some reason, like any, anything before the age of seven was like is like absent to me. You know, if if I wasn't told that I was I wasn't born in in Guinea, like I, I wouldn't have known. Um, you know, and, and that's that like that right there. I just think about like how, how, you know, because like some kids, right? Like my little sister, like she was born here. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's been in the same neighborhood in the Bronx forever. And, you know, she like remembers like going to pre-K and kindergarten, but it's probably because she's never like changed countries and, you know, had to learn a new language mm-hmm. and, you know, like there, there were, uh, things around her that, you know, wouldn't allow her to forget uh, just kind of her upbringing. So, you know, I, I like to just uh, have those thoughts to myself. But, yeah, grew up in the Bronx, um, you know, just when we first came to spend a little time in Harlem. Um, grew up, I do remember Harlem and grew up in the Bronx for the most part. Um, and, you know, just had a, when I say um, a great childhood, mm. you know, I, I, like childhood was just perfect. Like nothing ever went bad. You know, I, unless, you know, you did something bad in school and right. you came home right. and mom's, yeah, <laughs> mom's I know. checked you for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew, I know the check. I know the check. <laughs> I, know, I know what that mom's feel like. You for it, or pops checked you for it. But like, other than that, you know, like I had a great childhood, man. Like I, you know, as I got older, I started hearing some, you know, other people's childhoods, like here in America, just, just everywhere, just different 
experiences that people have as a child. And I'm like, man, like, I'm blessed, you know, mm-hmm. because, like, nothing went wrong. You know, even growing up in a poor neighborhood, you don't you don't know you're poor. Like, I didn't know I was, you know, right. I grew up in a poor neighborhood. Right. Um, you know, it was, it was, you know, growing up in the Bronx and, is is just is just the best growing up in New York City. Like, you know, I wish every every child, you know, had the summers that I had, and you know, just you know, getting bikes, uh, you know, for for doing good in school in the summertime, and you know, just going to the neighborhood uh, pools, and you know, just those kinds of things. It was great. You know, just went through elementary, middle, um, high school, and. You know, but obviously being influenced by hip hop, being right. you know influenced, uh, you know, being a sneakerhead before the name, you know, before it, it became this like pop culture phenomenon. Right, like, right. It's it's so funny, uh, just just where the the sneaker culture like has gone now. When you know, for us, like that was just what we did. Like you know, uh, wearing phone posits, and you mm-hmm. know, there's all these sneakers that are like. Three thousand dollars now. I'm like, yo, you're a regular God. bro, man. Y'all, y'all look- is bugging. Y'all paying two thousand dollars? Oh God, but dunk? Yeah, are man. you crazy? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what. Even man, even these up tempos, you know, like with the Scotty Pippins back in the day, man. I mean, these people are paying mad money for it now, you know. And, it's yo. like, and I remember having them shoes, like just they, they were just like giveaways man they was just tossing them to me and now they run it back and you're talking about you know three four bands like for these nah fam i can't do it like i'm like yo i don't want no parts of that world <laughs> you know what i'm saying i take i take i take myself to to burlington and be and, cool <laughs> yo they got some yes. they got some they got some skills in there for 35 dollars yes <laughs> yes, you you definitely speaking my language, man. When you just that's just grown, grown, man. You know, like you you live in that world, man. Like we we enjoyed you know rocking the sneakers when they weren't really a thing, and we got to really enjoy it now to the point where, I mean, now like you mentioned, you know, the the game of of being a sneakerhead is it's is damn near like a profession. It's like an employment, man. Like people treat it like a job. It's a business now, you know. When you talk oh. about these sneakers and people are are saving them and collecting them and flipping them and i mean you we waiting you got an app where you gotta wait for shoes you can see the, the countdown to know when you about to you know when you gotta go line up and pick it up bro it's a full-fledged industry now and i'm just like man back then we was just trying to wear some nice shoes look cool for the, at school and and show up and stunt a little bit and then throw them shoes away when they get old and busted that's, that's it, it. <laughs> and play play hoop play ball and that's it like you know what, like you have you actually had a cycle to when, you know, all right, it's time to, you know, make these my ball sneakers now, you know what I'm saying? But it's it's crazy where it's at now, you know. Mm-hmm. So like I mean, so growing up, as you just mentioned, you know, having a dope childhood and, and being from Guinea, as you mentioned, where, you know, Truth be told, yeah, no one really gives the shout out to Guinea that it deserves, but it, you all are deep in New York and like especially in the Bronx. Um, but when did it come to your realization that you're different in regards to your African culture and you all have a different experience. Like, did you ever get to experience it or did you always just feel like you blended in with the African-American culture? Well, I would say a little bit of both. You know, I, 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 I want to check off the yes box to, to, to both of those options. And, mm-hmm. you know, my, my homies, you know, growing up, my, you know, my homies, they, they always, you know, reminded me that I was African, you know, because mm. they could see it on, on the exterior, you know, mm. they could, you know, they, 
they saw that you know I had a curfew, and you know I just I I was you know I wasn't really you know sometimes you know in the mix you know at you know when, when things go down at like you know some of the the popping nightclubs yeah, you know yeah. in the summertime you know yeah. some of those things they could they could see it on the exterior but for me on the interior and just you know my outlook as to like what my identity was at the time um you know i i felt like i blended in well and you know so they could see that i was african and you know i i think they could would also say probably like i blended in you know i, I hooped and you know, uh, I guess I spoke English, you know, um, at an actual free level. And, you know, some of, some of my, my African friends and families and, you know, cousins, um, you know, they, they always talk about just being picked on, you know, growing up here, you know, just having an accent, being called African booty scratcher, mm-hmm. um, and, like, having to fight from that. Like, for me, like, I really, I can't say I ever had that experience. And... Um, and, and, I, and I'm sure I know it happened, you know, and, you know, when my homies, you know, when I heard the African booty scratcher thing, it was more like playful and right, not, right. you know, not a diss, you know what I'm saying? So, um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I knew I was different, you know, um, you know, just, uh, the African clothes that, you know, the parents wear and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the cab driving profession mm-hmm. and, you know, that kind of stuff and, you know, being Muslim. You know, being you know, this is a, yeah. uh, this is in a Muslim country. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, Christmas was it, it w- was uh, an interesting, an interesting dynamic. Uh, you know, just being a, a Muslim uh, African, you know, here uh, in in a Christian country. So, you know, there were definitely uh, things that you know uh, cross. You know, I guess put me at, at a cross at a cross-section yeah yeah no i can understand how, how awkward and it's so funny just your story and how parallel it can be it is kind of to mine right just because like i came to the united states when i just turned i think i just turned eight and um it's like i was in new york i wasn't in the bronx i was in staten island uh, and then i moved to chicago uh and it's also interesting, a lot of the things that you say as far as like, it was easy for me to be able to blend because I don't have a natural di- accent by default, right? Like I can switch it when I'm around the settings of most, you know, mostly African people, my accent can come out. It may not be the most rich or authentic anymore because of my quote, quote, Americanization, but, you know, I can still blend in. And so I never really, when they, people did, you know, call me names and stuff, it wasn't necessarily like offensive more than it was playful teasing and then you know also growing up in a household where although i'm christian you know nigeria has always been split christian muslim but like my mom you know and and my step pops were muslim and you know so i was christian growing up in a muslim household and i never had any you know issues with it uh, oh that that is that's a crazy dynamic ain't it bro it is bro but that's how <laughs> it is it's a nigerian like bro i mean and i and i so for me like even when i was growing up as a shorty like i got to you know practice and understand and i have a deep respect for for islam and i understand it you know even got to understand how to read the quran and understand how to, all those things so like like i i appreciate what it is and even when it's ramadan you know like i fast with my mom even though i'm christian like i still believe in the principles of what islam stands for um and and, and the true meaning of it compared to what it is perceived to be 
you know, but growing up, Christmas was mad awkward. <laughs> like, it was just like, what do we, you know, like, I'm trying to go kick it with some friends for Christmas. And my mom's like, well, I mean, I'm not, what are we doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing? You know, stay your ass at home or something. Like, we're not going nowhere. So I understood that too. But you're right as far as just that, you know, and especially being a black Muslim and you're not necessarily nation of Islam. You get what I'm saying? Right. That's a completely different dynamic and expectation for the type of, uh, you know, way people perceive you. So it's, it's just very interesting, all the things that you're bringing up, because it's like you have a very interesting uh, childhood. But did you get like from your parentals, did you get any type of conversation from your parents saying like, well, you are African and they are African-American and we don't act like them? Or did you get any of that conversation or were your people like, nah, we were good? Absolutely, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Like, um, yeah, you get that a lot. You know, whenever I, it, it was, it was more like uh, that was like a, a disciplinary thing. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Well, mm-hmm. that was like a a verbal verbal beating. You know, when when, when they wanted to, you know, not physically beat you. Um, and I and, and you know, actually one one thing that pops always said. Uh, he, you know, he said in my language, he's, uh, I'm going to try to say it in my language and I'm, I'm going to translate it if I okay. could remember. Please. So, uh, he'd say, uh, And what that's saying is, he said, Look, even if uh, a log that falls into a river, a body of water, will never be a crocodile or a navigator. Oh. You know? African African proverbs be hidden so different when it comes from the parents, bro. Like they they really do hit different, especially the older you get and you start to really go back and listen to these proverbs. You be like, man, okay, (laughs) like this is a hit. I get it, but I'm sorry, man. And what language was that? Just for the listeners to know, what's what's the native language in your? That's Malinke. Malinke. That's the you know the 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 prominent language or, or one of the most prominent languages in in Guinea. Okay. Okay, but go ahead, bro. You were, you were explaining that that uh, proverb. Yeah, yeah. So you know, for for folks that that was able to understand that, great. You know, but some you know, if you're like me, sometimes like I need to like hear some of those uh, proverbs and just deep thoughts a couple of times before I, before I could understand it. So let me let me just break down that thought. Like a log, right? A log. You know, like the 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 physical makeup of it. Um, it's it's scaly and you know, like the coloring of it. Is very similar to you know that of a, of an alligator or crocodile. I don't even know the difference between you know the two uh, sea animals, mm-hmm. but uh, as a log might be floating in in a river or, or crocodile, you know just kind of like the the upper surface of it, like they could be like very similar. You know what I'm saying? So um, he 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 just you know uh, throw that shade at me a lot. You know what I'm saying? When I, I guess whenever I went out of the fold of you know uh how he wanted me to to be basically saying that you you can you can try to be in the water but he can still spot you even though you trying your heart to blend to be a crocodile you still a log <laughs> you still a log in the water i <laughs> that's african proverbs are so deep man um it's so crazy how powerful and rich like black knowledge and information is even though it's something that's so old and so it's passed on from generations but the relevancy man is, is beyond is beyond me um 
Okay, so I want to know then, like, you know, you're growing up in the Bronx, you know, you're, you're, you're having this experience where you're, you're very acculturated, and it's easy for you and your sister. So then, like, what led you to start building this path to creating um, Baba? And yes. Yeah, what, what led you to start figuring out, okay, how, you know, I want to do something like this? Yeah, uh, great question. So, you know, uh, you, you grow up... Um, and you become older and if you're lucky more mature and you know you, you start thinking about different things because your brain is just developed and you start seeing certain things and so i you know i became more conscious and you know it was i don't know really what sparked it you know maybe it was before this but i think one of the you know one of the things i could definitely remember is trayvon martin and you know mm. i think all of us was in an uproar you know, and and I know you and I are, are, are around the same age, and yeah. I don't I don't know if that if that was like if that was it for us, like you know, right around you know the kind of it was a, a, a good age for us mm-hmm. to just start paying attention to more of those things. But you know, so that right, and then of course, so right that happened. That was the, the bomb, but you know, but we always knew that like especially like in New York with stop and frisk. Like that mm-hmm. that was that was a real thing. And, you know, uh just getting always, you know, just checked on for no reason, right? But but it, it's the norm. And then, you know, then when you start driving, you start getting pulled over a lot. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you're like, man and, and that's 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 what put everyone in an uproar because it's like, yeah, man that ain't right. Yeah. This does happen to us. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, so that happens. And then, you know, then the Eric Garner happened. And then mm-hmm. Sons of Blade happened. Yeah. So for me, like, those like three cases, like, all right, Trayvon, you know, I'm like, damn, that's a little bro right there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Eric Garner, I'm, yo, that was so hard for me to watch. That was so hard for me to watch. And then, you know, Sons of Blade, I'm like, damn, that's crazy. She was, going to a job interview, so, you know, like, you know, these are kind of like my emotions, and, you know, those three cases um, just really, really touched me very, very hard, and, you know, it, it led for me, it, it led me to <clears throat> attend these marches, you know, I, before, you know, going to these demonstrations this year, before it became uh, pop culture and the cool thing to do, because then, you know, like, I, to be honest, I couldn't find anybody to go with me to any of those demonstrations that I went to um, when some of those were happening. Really? Um, you know, I, yeah, I even took a trip. <clears throat> I remember I even took a trip to to D.C. for, you know, for the, uh, I think it was the 20th anniversary. The Million Man March? Yeah. I, I was there. I was there. Yeah, bro, I was there. I definitely came up there. First. We moved from Chicago. Well, we didn't move, but me and my, me and a couple of my friends, we, we came from uh, Chicago to, to be at that. That was an amazing experience. That's crazy. I'm, t- I'm telling you, you, you and me, bro, we like twin jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. So uh, I went to there, um, you know, my son. You remember my son was up there. He was up on mm-hmm. the podium. Mm-hmm. You know, he was up on the podium, and... You know, to be honest, like around that time, I didn't really know. I didn't. I, I didn't really know there was a difference between the Nation of Islam and you know, uh, 
Orthodox Islam, you know, mm-hmm. where we recognize Prophet, peace be upon him, as, as a messenger. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really realize the difference. I was like, man, like, this is amazing. And, and like, to be honest, like, you know, I don't, I, like, that right there, that disagreement, that is, first of all, I don't even know much about, you know, Orthodox Islam to, like, get into that battle. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And, and I won't, you know, so I don't treat, I don't treat a nation of Islam Muslim any different. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I got an OG, you yeah. know, um, who, who, who is a nation of Islam Muslim. So, yeah. you know, so, um, so that, that was a, a great experience, but, um, you know, more conscious started attending these, these marches and, uh, you know, and at the same time, like you hear, like I said, it wasn't really, you know, that popular to, to go to these demonstrations, at least from my experience and from my observation. And, you know, you hear, you know, the, the, the Africans, the, the, the continental born Africans or the immigrant Africans, they're, they're not, they don't care about, you know, some of those things. And, you know, they'll actually blame, you know, and it, it wasn't all of them, but like some of them are blame, um, these, these victims of these killings, yeah. you know, they, they blame yeah. them they, yeah. you know, because of, you know, their experiences with uh, the black American community, um, you know, they'll, they'll blame them and, you know, they say, yeah, they're that, they're this, mm-hmm. and, you know, just some of those things. And, you know, and I don't, you know, I don't, I, I don't know, I don't really get into that battle either, you know, verbally, because I don't know, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm just, that's not my thing, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. to, to, to sit there and, and, like, debate you back on, like, your, your belief, you know, so yeah. um, I, I, I'll just let it be, and, but I'm like, man, like, they're not like that. They're not like that. This, you know, you know the 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 criminal experiences that like you're talking about, like you know, there's really there's a reason there's for that. A like reason, it bro. happens. Yes. Like it happens. So I'm like, no, I'm like, so I won't like debate them back. But I'm, I just like shake my head and then you know, like I have these like internal conversations at home and and then you know, so you know that happens for a while. It happens for for you know a couple years, a couple years, a couple years, and then. You know, uh, when I decided, <clears throat> so before this year, I hadn't attended any demonstrations because I felt like, uh, so you go to work, right? And mm-hmm. then, uh, or you're in your car, you get pulled over, you go to work, you're around these, you know, because uh, you know, like I live in Connecticut now, you know what I'm saying? And, okay. uh, you know, so some of the jobs that I, I've had here, uh, some of these corporate positions that I've had here, you're you're in these these rooms and these spaces with, you know, like like I'd go to these marches one night and then I go to work the next day and like nobody even knew that you know there was thousands of people at this demonstration you know or 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 a few hundred people at this demonstration and like like my heart is heavy the next day and like mm-hmm. nobody cares. At, in that in this space that I'm in, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just like, man, you know, this is crazy. Like, well, how come no one cares? And you know, like you'll have like that one friend, you know, outside of work that you, you know, they're relating to the same thing. And it's so funny now because like I'd be on LinkedIn and like some of these like stories that like we feel as black professionals, you know, in corporate America, like it's crazy how so many of us like have these stories, you know, yeah. having to feel like you're working so hard, like you're just 
like working upstream and you know you're not getting these same opportunities you know like like you know you're doing the work right. you know you putting up the shots you putting up the shots yeah. and you know like you're not getting these same opportunities and you know like so many of us relate to that so um those different combinations of the different areas of my life it just really led me to be like yo like i just want to build my community like i i don't really i i don't really want to go to these marches i want to like do something you know i don't don't want to just post i want to do something i want to i want to do like our communities it needs so much building it needs so much empowerment like i want to do my small part in just building that and um so you know kind of those two different things you know you hear the africans are, are, are not really understanding why they're having some of those experiences and why they think that black people are like that and then you know you go to work nobody cares about what you're talking about and you're like you know what i don't care about y'all either mm-hmm. and then like i you know i'm gonna try to just do my part and just telling africans hey look man you know just do my part. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I, I could spend my, my time a million different ways, but like, this is kind of the journey that I want to go. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll talk a little bit more in depth about the Baba, but I, I want to just kind of reflect on what you said as far as just even taking it back to the Million Man March, um, the anniversary, and even before that with Trayvon Martin and, you know, Sandra Bland and Eric Gardner and Mike Brown. I mean, you know, it's very similar to this year where you see all these things happening consecutively in the same year. And I think you were right in regards to where we were at because we were very similar in age. And I, I know, you know, we're, we're part of that generation where we weren't old enough to be part of like the civil rights movement or experience some of the things that happened there in the 60s like some of the ogs but we're also not like young enough like some of these newer like gen x students i mean kids who you know are just kind of starting to see some things and realizing things so we're like in we were in that part of that middle generation especially back then uh and now you see that obviously as we get older we're transitioning to kind of taking more of that leadership role and kind of doing more um, as far as activities and actions. But yeah, I mean, you you find out, especially, and maybe this is one of the the main benefits of social media, is that you start to see a lot of common common denominators in the stories that are being shared by Black people, whether it's in corporate America, whether it's in academia, whether it's in health, like clinical health, you know, in all these different industries, there's a lot of just these isolation that's being felt and people just feeling like yo like i just went to something that was major because something major in the community that i'm from happened and you go to your workspace and no one has an idea because most of the people that work there probably have the privilege to be able to look away from that and just go do something that means something that means more that's more important to them or means more of a priority to them and that's not the luxury that we have as black people because at the back of our minds you never know when you feel like you can be next. And, you know, and that's not something that you can choose to be next, right? So it's like, it's just so, and it becomes so deep that when like you start to get into these conversations, you know, and, and I think I'm a little different for you as far as like, I probably became a little bit more vocal and argumentative, especially when I was younger, as far as African and African Americans. And, you know, at first, you know, like I used to not, 
I don't know if people from Guinea use the term like akata, but like that's something that we talk about. I've talked about with different guests, um, and and that's used to describe African Americans and and this whole thing when when it was going down around 2013 with Mike Brown. I mean, not Mike Brown, with uh, Trayvon Martin. It was like you know. African immigrants would try to separate themselves and say, well, that's not us. We know how to behave ourselves and we're not the ones that's pulling our pants down and and doing this and acting like gangs and blah, blah, blah. So we don't bring the attention to ourselves. And I hit to be like, you know, like it's not about that. Like how you dress should not dictate your intention, right? Like just because you dress however you dress, like why do we have to be able to have to appropriate ourselves but then, like, you go to other places and you see other people who are not black. They do whatever they want and there's no consequence. You know, like, mm-hmm. so you dress however you want. There's no consequence. You out here mm-hmm. dressing like a goth and, you know, you got black everything and you listening to Marilyn Manson. And, I mean, there's a stereotype that comes with people like that, but they're not considered a threat. So then why somebody why somebody who looks like, who wants to look like Biggie or wants to look like Tupac considered a threat? You know, so I used to be like, man, it's deeper than that. Like, And there's a lot more that I think African immigrants didn't get to understand as far as what really causes the frustration of black community is people are poor. <laughs> like, people are poor, you know what I mean? And we need help and man got to eat. And if you, and it's always ironic to me because I'm like, you came, most people came from a country that everybody's hustling for the daily bread and it's like you come to the u.s and people are hustling but it's in a different type of way because there's systematic barriers that they're not aware of and you're you're you become a little judgmental and of course there's an argument for both sides as far as how they look at each other but there had to be something that was reconciled and, and i had to grow up like learning about both sides in order to truly realize that man you're like we need to do something. We can't just keep talking. Like we need to get wow. something done because at this point we've been talking for decades and mm-hmm. what's going to happen is going to continue to happen. And if we expect something different then that's what we call insanity. So we have to be able to do something about it. So like, so then I, I which is why I appreciate your, your venture as far as, you know, creating Baba. So then like for those who are listening, um, uh, can you explain like what Baba is and what you all do and what you all strive to, to accomplish? Yes. So uh, we are a nonprofit organization, a community-based organization where we create free programs to bring diverse black communities together so that, you know, in coming together, uh, that's the only way you, uh, maybe some of those, some of that apprehension will come down. Some of those walls will come down. Um, And, you know, even when, you know, some, some black professionals, uh, you know, might feel a way about, you know, certain groups of people, mm-hmm. uh, but they go to work because they are working together and, you know, you share, you're sharing a cubicle with, with some, you know, probably a MAGA supporter, somehow, some way, you know, you, you start to find a liking with this person, you know, so that, that was uh, uh, the, you know, one of the driving forces in, in, in just bringing, say, okay, let's put an activity in the middle mm. of, um, uh, of these two groups. That's, that's the only way to get done. And, um, you know, it, since this is, since is launched, um, the, the feedback has been, you know, amazing. The feedback has been amazing. The, 
and the potential, just 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 some of the folks that I I've met on this journey and the team, um, you know, the the team that uh, I have that uh, the folks that that's that's on the board that that I learn from, you know, um, they're all uh, phenomenal leaders in their respective fields, and you know the the potential that the organization has is it's it's a very 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 infant organization. It's only you know we only launched. June nineteenth of this year, okay. um, yeah, five months, and you know, in, in the five months we've been, uh, we've done, you know, uh, some cultural, some cultural activities, uh, you know, uh, because I feel like uh, the, the Black Americans, um, they, the strength that Black Americans have, I believe, is is in academia and mm. and uh, professional achievements, mm. you know, because. Um, you know, they've been able to uh, just get access to certain information and you know education um, quicker, sooner, harder, longer than than, than immigrant Africans. And you know, um, and but as far as culture goes, uh, you know, and you know, it's it's why there's an uptick in interest in you know ancestry and you know just DNA, just mm-hmm. kind of learning where you're from, um, just to really know the history pre-slavery you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and so um, we've been able to put together some some cultural activities we've had uh jalof giveaways jalof classes we had swahili classes swahili learning classes uh so that we can empower um our languages you know swahili yeah. uh it's 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 the leading you know language in in africa and um you know it's 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 accepted you know there we have thousands of languages throughout the continent um and you know most of them are not recognized by western institutions you know and swahili is, is, is one of those you know so mm-hmm. so we did that um uh you know obviously uh the uh, only five months you know there's only so much that we could do um you know we're very proud of what we've done so far you know we got a lot more work to do um there's so much more in the pipeline uh but yeah you know back to you know we've done some some civically engaging activities um you know, another area that, uh, you know, kind of still developing, you know, haven't really uh, uh, put anything, delivered anything out yet is uh, some sort of like economical, economical activity where, you know, that can bring the two communities together to like earn money or mm-hmm. just or, or, or be on the road to earning money, you know, be it a resume workshop or, you know, mentorship programs or, you know, job fairs, you know, different things like that. So, um, those those are basically like the four areas um, that we kind of pull and create um, activities from. Um, there's uh, cultural, educational, civ- civic engagement, mm-hmm. and uh, economical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that sounds really dope, and it just seems like what you are trying to do is is build the community. Um, again, similar to what was mentioned, and not not just having conversations, but giving them tools, right? Like you want to give them tools so that they can be able to help can help build. Like while you all are building, you're giving them the tools so they can continue to build themselves and all the important facets that you've mentioned already. Uh, therefore, that they can be able to sustain whatever achievements they they reach, which is critical because I think sometimes you know, what happens with a lot of organizations is that you achieve something, you take a picture, you post it, you may even get a newspaper, um, a newspaper article somewhere, and you get a little attention, but 
the sustainability aspect is missing, right? And and the, and the people who who are participants in your activity or event may not have something that they can utilize and and sustain whatever they want to achieve. So being able to help them craft and build the tools that they need in order to be able to uh, reach their goals and, and learn and have the knowledge to know how to strategize the way to reach their goals is very powerful. Um, and that's 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 amazing uh, to be able to do all that in a span of five months, mind you, in the middle of a pandemic year. You feel me? That's uh, hats off to you because that's that's a challenge in its own right, um, because these are strange times that have been happening this year. Uh, but like what about, you know, so like as far as continuing to bridge that gap, like what has been the. Most of your members, like, are there is there a specific age or is there a wide age range? Like, have what has it been as far as the majority of the people who are um, members of this organization? What has the demographic been? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we definitely do need to make it more diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in 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 the black space and which um, is more representation, uh, mm-hmm. but. You know, um, so that is is an area that uh, uh, that needs to be worked on. But um, you know, we're we're all you know around the same age, from you know uh, early twenties to like thirty five. I don't know if that's around the same age, but that that's that's kind of the the spectrum. And um, for the most part, is is right. You know, we we got we got one individual, the uh, Bridge Director of Civic Engagement, Timothy Hunter. He's uh, he's Jamaican, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Knight. Um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. first generation, uh, New York City born, um, Jamaican. Um, but for the most part, it's it's all so Africans or near uh, uh, continental born Africans um, mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. But uh, working on that, you know, <laughs> there's, yeah, there's only yeah. you know you, you kind of. You know, when 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 I when I as as the founder when when I delivered it, uh, you know, the got to just grab the, the lowest hanging fruit, and mm-hmm. you know, I've like I said, I don't I don't want to um, talk about some things that I'm working on, right. you know, just to just change that um, without making certain things official, mm-hmm. you know, with, with certain folks, but um, you know, definitely uh, th- that's that's changing very very soon to make it more diverse okay because yeah because that next question i was going to ask you was just like what is the what is the response or vibe been from african-americans who you've pitched this organization to man is it like i said it, i mean it's, okay so it, it's easy for me to just be, oh it's been like you know because but it has but you know just i guess some of the critic mm-hmm. some of the critiques um you know, i've heard that one one critique before hey you know uh it's not it's not diverse like where's you know um you know so i did hear that and uh what, what else there, there, there was another thought that that i just had uh there's another well, ask your question again i, I, so I was just asking what's been the response from african-americans when you talk about oh, this organization oh, and, and, and another another you know area that i've had just uh that i've had a battle with mm-hmm. you know, is the word African American mm-hmm. and the word mm-hmm. Black American. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's been a, it's been a battle, man. You know, and um, you know, so there's there's like a conscious group 
you know, just like, you know, super Pan-African who like, you know, want to completely reject the American title. And, and I, I sure, I don't mind, but it's just like, there's, there's not many other identifiers for this tribe of Mm. black people Mm. that are, whose parents, you know, who, whose, uh, ancestors have lived in America for a hundred years, you know? So for me, you know, I guess that's been like the only way I could like this, you know, describe, describe this tribe of black people here. Uh, yeah, because right. Cause some of them, you know, so, some people would say American born Africans, but there's a little bit of an issue with that because you know, some of like my little sisters and cousins that are like, they're born in America, but you know, there's the tribe of black people that they come from is a little bit different from, you know, an American born black person whose parents been here for a hundred years, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that just, that, you know, just offending some people, uh, that's the issue, but I, I've learned that, Hey, you know what? There's no other way to describe that. And you know, I've seen what others are doing. They're saying African American or they're saying black American, you know, just, um, just look at even what Ice Cube just came out with, you know, contract with Black America. As soon mm-hmm. as he did, I was like, oh, yeah, I don't, I'm not even listening to y'all no more, bro. Straight up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it sounds like that's that that comes with the struggle of trying to, you know, build an organization that is trying to bridge a gap between two communities that are similar, different and yet do not know how similar they are yet because they haven't had that conversation to find out that we're very similar. And, yeah. you know, when, when you speak on the whole idea of the, I, I can under, immediately understand what you meant when, and most people who may uh, identify as, as transnationals will be able to relate when you mention that your sister's born in America, but like you already know that you're growing up in that tribe and you're being told that you identify as something else, right? Like even if you were born in America, I'm sure your folks is still telling you, you, you are from, guinea right like you know so america is just america is just happens to be where you're at because they got good schools but here you're from guinea right and that's the same thing like me as a nigerian and all my other relatives who are even from ghana you know like it's just that compared to someone who was born um as you know and african americans who have ancestors who've been here for like you said for for centuries so that in itself right it's just it's just kind of like a a I would say one of those catalysts to the conversations that I think, you know, we need to have. And, uh, you know, your organization can be an amazing vehicle to help begin that. But five months in, bro, and you're already making these moves and you're already learning these lessons. I mean, it just means that there's there's so much more that can be accomplished. And I mean, it also means that you're doing a good job if you can be able to spark reaction because people are responding to this. And, and that's that in itself means that you're in the right direction. So but I want to know that, you know, as we continue to like get ready to wrap up, I, I want to know what do you want to be the ultimate goal? What do you want to be the key achievement of Baba You know, when you all are hitting your stride? I want us to be the biggest, baddest organization doing this kind of work in this space. Mm. 
Yeah, man. Um, that's that's what I want. Um, because you know, with that, it, you know, with with being the biggest, the baddest, that means you're doing the biggest, the baddest work. You mm-hmm. know, that's that, that's what that is, and um, that won't be the that won't be easy. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, sustainability, and like this is this thing is it's tough. It's hard. It's hard doing. You know, um, sustaining and surviving. Uh, you know, in in this space because. Know with a nonprofit, like no one. Yeah, I founded it, but like I don't own it. No mm-hmm. one owns it. It's for the good of the greater good of society. The society owns it. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, uh, so yeah, just we, you know, we, we want us to, to to be the biggest, the baddest in this space. Um, in doing the, the bridging, you know, there's a lot of different, you know. Uh, fractions of people and, and individuals and organizations are doing this, and um, you know, I I, I want to model after some of them, you know, because I I've you know I've pulled I've pulled ideas from them, um, and I and I want to to be on the same level as uh, you know some of the individuals and organizations that I look up to. What can people do to help or contribute? to the growth of this organization? Yeah, so one thing, uh, I've always made this to be engaging. Uh, One thing, anyone can have a place in this organization. Uh, I would like for the listeners and whoever to, you know, come across this is to, if you have an idea or an activity that you'd like to host, uh, bring it to our attention and, you know, we'll make it happen. Uh, you can email us your suggestion and your contact information at Baba Inc. 19 at gmail.com. That's B-A-B-A-1-9 at gmail.com. Uh, you know, tell us who you are, what you'd like to host, how you'd like to host it, and, you know, we, we, we make it happen. That's dope. You know, as we wrap up, I just want to, first and foremost, you know, say Thank you, um, you know, for this, bro. Like, this has been a great, enriching conversation. For one, just sharing your experience um, and and your inspiration for creating an organization that I think has a world of potential. And I think an organization that a lot of us, especially the listeners, who really care about the entire black population and not just a small sector of it, uh, this is what we need. And this is what I've personally been looking for to to kind of help move things forward um, as far as reconnecting black people, especially our black Americans, um, connecting them back to their roots, um, but also building relationships with their brothers and sisters who are from the continent who they just don't don't know but want to know and vice versa. You know, I think that we need to have a better understanding. And I think what what Baba is, is going to do and continue to do is, is going to be able to provide the tools that people can use to build themselves, but also be a space in which we can be able to reconcile whatever differences we have. Reconcile, put the past aside, and move forward to a better future. And and I think that's what we need, man. So, you know, but but I appreciate you breaking it down for us. And just know that whatever I can do to help, you know, I'm trying to be part of the crew. I want to be part of the biggest and baddest organization out there doing this, too. So just know that I'm down. Um, whatever that Baba wants to do, I, I want to be part of it and I want in on that. So 
Um, but I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your time, bro. Is there any last words, anything you want to share to the listeners or anything? No, we got to link up, Doc. You know, um, you know, I, I think you are you have a lot of uh, a lot of great strength. You know, so you and I definitely need to link up. I want you to host something. I want you to host an activity. I want your you know your your missus to host an activity. Um, let's get it done. You know, and I look forward to just uh, working with you in the future on just whatever and in you know different areas. Uh, but thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me, and I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. And this again, it's Abdullah Cisse, who's on. Is there? Are you on Instagram or any type of social media that people can follow you outside of the organization? Yeah, uh, my personal page is boring, uh, but <laughs> you can definitely follow the organization's page at uh, Bridging Africans and Black Americans. No, did I say Black Americans? But just Bridging Africans, Black Americans. Um, follow us on there. You know, Instagram. You know, I, I could I could give out other other platforms, but Instagram is is just it, the openness of it and the access, accessibility of it is just amazing. So just do that. Um, follow us on there, and then uh, you know uh, maybe you can find us um, through some other ways once you're on the Instagram page. You sound yeah. like me. That's how I'm, I'm like, man, just just do an Instagram. I'll be having these <laughs> other platforms and I'm like, Instagram is where it's at for me. Like Facebook is cool, you know, and I mean, I we have a Facebook page for the podcast. Like we had a, we have a Twitter page and I've been saying on this podcast for years now, like we going to do something on Twitter. And I just don't have the I don't know how to just use Twitter anymore. Like Twitter has evolved to something bigger than my capacity so like I don't even I'll be like yeah just you know just just do Instagram and every and you just, everything will follow from there <laughs> just for real. And, you know, and the thing about Facebook is right. Just think about how many organizations you've liked to you know you've like subscribed to on Facebook, which is the, the word like you don't when you scroll you don't see it because Facebook wants to you have to as an organization you have to pay. For any sort of yes, visibility. Yes, yes, and, <laughs> yes. I see it because it'd be like promote. It'd be like promote your page, and it's like ten dollars yeah. for two hundred or whatever more like clicks or something. I'm like, I'm good, bro. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. So Instagram, man, get them hashtags. Get that engagement. It's just more vis- visible. You know what I'm saying? Facts, 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 100%, man. But, but, bro, yeah, man, this has been a pleasure. I, I definitely appreciate it, man. I wish you nothing but peace, love, and uh, and happiness and growth. And uh, I look forward to us being able to do something. Best believe, I mean, you you down in New York, you know, I, I have, you know, this gives me, give me a reason to come down to the city and, and get something <laughs> popping, you know what I mean? So I'm looking, forward to, I'm looking forward to linking up with you, man. So please believe that we're going to get something to happen, all right? All right, my brother, take care. All right, man, you too. That's going to wrap up this episode of My Blackest Transnational Podcast. Thank you to Mr. Cisse for joining us and talking to us about his passion and his organization, Baba. We wish him the best of luck. And we definitely hope that you do look to learn more information about Baba and how to continue doing the work for bridging the gaps between black immigrants and African-Americans. So please check out his information. Follow him on Instagram at bridging african black americans all right and you can learn more about us if you like this episode by downloading the podcast and subscribing on any of your favorite podcast listening apps and check out our website at www.blacktransnational.wixsite.com slash podcast follow us on instagram at black transnational podcast 
and follow me on Instagram at blacktransnational underscore. So, until next time, I'll be signing off. Take care of yourselves. Be safe. My name is Dr. Kalei Bay Lamberts. My black is transnational. And I hope by the end of this, yours will be too. Peace.